Howdy everyone, this is Isaac Hill, this is Mystical America, reporting to you from somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the United States. The Midwest is a place where everyone's cornbread and corn fed and the kids here still have some sense of values, some sense of public decency, or maybe not, it depends who you ask. The days are long here in the summer, and at times the unbearable heat gives way to thunderstorms that roll in over the plains and turn the whole sky an eerie dark green. Some nights it's fireflies out here, and some nights it's a lightning storm. And that's pretty much all there is in the Midwest. Strip malls, cornfields, and the beautiful sounds and smells of thunderstorm season. Well anyways, um been thinking a lot about the apocalypse, been thinking a lot about the end of the world. Well, it sure seems like the uh, apocalypse has been on everyone's mind lately, and I suppose it makes sense given the times we live in or whatever. I'm sure I don't need to remind you about what's going on out there. Wildfires, unbearable heat, plastic and breast milk, war, robot economy, and the list goes on and on and on, baby. It's a real bummer, and you know, I always wonder how are we supposed to live during the end of the world? You could go out and buy yourself a strawberry kiwi flavored vape, or maybe a Delta 9 edible something to distract you from the existential dread through momentary pleasure. Maybe you should go buy a gun to give yourself the illusion that you could actually defend yourself from the forces of nature. Or fuck it, take your phone out and doom scroll through Instagram and TikTok for a couple hours, hoping something meaningful will pop up on that screen and your life will suddenly be changed for the better. But honestly, I got an even better idea for all of you. You could give me a positive review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or you could follow this show on Instagram at mystical underscore America. Just kidding. Unless... But yeah, sometimes I think I should have been saving up for an underground bunker this whole time. But then what? Uh, if I had to spend that much time cooped up underground with my family, I would probably wind up unaliving myself. Or what they call S-U-I-C-I-D-E in other terms. Sorry guys, but I need my alone time. Plus, I want to feel the sunshine on my back. Bunker life just isn't a great option for that, so I guess I'll have to pass on the underground bunker and guns and storing up a bunch of Campbell's suit rations. With all that being said, we're talking bunkers today, we're talking the end of the world, we're talking eschatology, my friends. That's because we are talking about the church universal and triumphant ascended master based movement that sprung out of the I am activity we talked about last time and the church universal and triumphant led by Elizabeth Clare Prophet 
may have had a little doomsday scare back in the day. It happens, folks. But we'll get to that. I really hope, though, that by the end of this show, we can maybe begin to answer the question of what it really means to live meaningfully at the end of time. So uh, grab your radiation detectors, grab your canned good rations, and call upon Archangel Mikael to descend upon the earth and cleanse her of all evildoers. This is Mystical America, and I am glad you could join me. Sympathy for Satan and the sorrows of Satan, association with the Nephilim and spacecraft, all perversions of the third eye through distorted and exaggerated images, perverted movements of the body and break dancing and other forms of dancing. And we especially call for the judgment in this hour and the, and the destroying of rock music directed specifically against children through the videos that were portrayed. And working specifically through these individuals for whom we call for the judgment of the sacred fire in this hour before the throne of Almighty God, Michael Jackson, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, Tina Turner, David Bowie, Van Halen, Madonna, Huey Lewis and the News, The Cars, Kirby Hancock, Bonnie Tyler, Stevie Nicks. Please close your eyes at this time. First thing to note for this show is that the Church Universal and Triumphant, which is the group I'll be covering today, is only vaguely related to Mount Shasta. It's a movement that was very much directly inspired by the lore and ideas of Guy and Edna Ballard's I Am Activity. That was the movement we discussed on the last show. And I think that's really the biggest connection I can draw between the Church Universal and Triumphant and Mount Shasta. But the reason I'm talking about this is to show how the mythos of a place and the people who visit it can spiral out into some very weird and distant spaces. We started out with Theosophy, Blavatsky, and the Lemurians, and we are going to end up in Doomsday Territory. That's religion, baby. But uh, anyways, do you ever wonder whether some people are destined for certain paths in life? I mean, sometimes a person's name and their life path seems to align just a little too well. Trump's a good example of that principle. Another good example is Mark L. Prophet. Mark was born back in 1918, and with a last name like Prophet, any life choice outside of leading a whole new religious movement would be profoundly disappointing. So, no surprise here, I guess, 
Mark Prophet started his own religion. Around the age of 17, Mark Prophet purportedly begins to have encounters with the Ascended Masters, primarily a master by the name of El Moria. In the 1950s, he began publishing the channeled writings of El Moria through an IM Activity offshoot publication called The Lighthouse of Freedom. In 1958, Mark creates his own Ascended Masters teaching group called the Summit Lighthouse. His inner circle of followers were known as the Keepers of the Flame. The Keepers of the Flame were lucky enough to hear Prophet give all sorts of teachings on Ascension, the Masters, the I Am Presence, and much, much more. In my early research for this show, I also found that he apparently believed the United States would be reborn into a golden era of light and love, but that this golden age of America was being stifled by none other than the evil communists. Clearly, Prophet's Summit Lighthouse group still had at least some, if not all, of the same right-wing tendencies as the I Am activity which came before it. In 1961, Mark would meet his twin flame, or perhaps I should say soulmate, Elizabeth. While meditating together in Boston, Elizabeth had a vision that she was to be a co-messenger of the Masters alongside Mark. He seemed to think that the Masters approved and obliged. Elizabeth was some 21 years younger than Mark, but hey, that never stopped anyone before. And so, naturally, they fell in love with each other, made a few children together, and continued to spread the Ascended Master teachings across America. Fortunately, they met right as the hippie movement was beginning and they would find quite a bit of success peddling their alternative spirituality to all the lost youth of America at that time. But unfortunately, in 1973, Mark L. Prophet made his final ascension. Or, uh, if you really need me to explain it for you, he died. The teachings say that you can still access him in his ascended master form through calling upon his new post-ascension name, Master Lanello. In past lives, Master Lanello was the prophet Noah, Aesop of Aesop's fables, Sir Lancelot, Bodhidharma, and many more legendary figures. But he is now an ever-present guru guiding humanity from on high. Feel free to give him a prayer or call sometime if you need help. I'm sure it gets quite lonely up there. At this point, after Mark's death, Elizabeth Claire Prophet, uh, Mark's wife, or Guruma, as she's also called, takes over Summit Lighthouse. She renames Summit Lighthouse the Church Universal and Triumphant. In my opinion, that's a much worse and far more culty sounding name, but Hey, that's just my take. Elizabeth is a profoundly charismatic leader, and she had this mastery of aesthetics and speech that I'm sure most religious leaders would envy. There's something so hypnotizing about all her speaking, 
even as she's uttering creeds that might seem entirely ridiculous to the listener. And in every video I've seen of her preaching, behind her are colorful paintings of archangels, ascended masters, violet flames, and golden vases filled with flowers. Everything seems to be perfected. Everything seems to be clean. It all gives an image of what we might experience upon our ascension beyond these earthly realms. Even the appearance of Guru Ma of Elizabeth Clare Prophet was striking and stood out. She had a perm or maybe a bob. I, I don't really know whether her hair was naturally that curly or not. I mean, I'm inclined to think it was, but she kept her curly hair rather short and it gave off this very powerful androgynous appearance. In addition to that, if you look at the videos of her, you'll see that she's usually wearing some sort of flowy white silks or a blazer that broadens her shoulders. I mean, to be fair, that was kind of um, just a trend of the times. But you could see that there was this very simple elegance to everything she wore. And um, look, guys, you can say what you will, and you can say, oh, these people, they're dressing like cult leaders, but everywhere you go, you see uniform, and you see outfits, and you see fashion being used as a way to determine who is in an in-group and who is in an out-group. And very clearly, you walk into any sort of job that you've probably had, and there is very likely different types of clothing that people are wearing to dictate who's in charge here. And so, honestly, to be a good religion, you gotta have the fire outfits. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have outfits that show you are in command, that you have a command of aesthetics. And let's be honest, there's a bit of a Catholic revival happening, um, maybe from some somewhat problematic people. There's a bit of an Orthodox revival happening. Why are people turning away from Protestantism and Evangelical Christianity to Catholicism and Orthodoxy? Maybe it's because they're the true churches, or one of them is. Or, on the other hand, maybe people are turning to those churches partially at least because of the aesthetic because you don't want to walk into a church and see uh, your cool youth pastor wearing uh, Ed Hardy or whatever and it's much better to walk into a church and see the priest draped in the ornamental attire of the priesthood the silver and gold and the greens and the luxurious robes it makes you feel that something sacred is going on there. And that's really all I'm trying to get at here, is that, from what I can tell, and what really obsesses me about uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, is that they really had a keen eye for aesthetics. Now, is it aesthetics that most people would appreciate? Mm, especially today, probably not. But for me, if there's one thing you guys know about me, it's that I love New Age kitsch. And um, Elizabeth Clare Prophet 
was the queen of this new age adornment and this ascended master style, so I gotta give her props for that. Anyways, that was all kind of a side note, but you can still find plenty of videos of Prophet speaking, so I suggest you go check those out on YouTube. Her voice has this very, very distinct quality, like a nasal alien thing. It's very similar to Terrence McKenna's voice, in my opinion. But let's see here. Well, I want to get into what the church believes, and then we can talk about the apocalypse incident in the 1980s, and then we will talk about apocalypse and religion and culture more generally. Okay, going back. Last episode, I talked about the I am activity. So listen to that first because I am going to springboard off of that here. What is the relationship between the I am activity and the church universal and triumphant? Or let's rephrase that. How did the church universal and triumphant see their relationship to the I am activities? So, according to a publication called The Church Universal and Triumphant in Scholarly Perspective, well, the church, and sometimes I might just call uh, The Church Universal and Triumphant the church, because Church Universal and Triumphant is a very long name, so if I just call it the church, if I'm referencing the church, no, I'm not referencing uh, the church as a whole, but I am talking about the church universal and triumphant. Uh, where were we? Okay, so the Church Universal and Triumphant does not see itself in competition with prior Ascended Master teachings. It sees itself as a separate, independent movement brought about by the Ascended Master El Moria. Um, and so I guess it kind of sees itself as a furtherance, a completion of these prior teachings but it doesn't attempt to invalidate the teachings that came before it. It just sees itself as a separate, perhaps better, uh, set of teachings. If you are curious, the church believes in God, a being who they see as the source of all being. Their version of God resides in the great central sun, the metaphysical center of the universe. And being this great, cosmic being of light that God is, he naturally emitted divine sparks of energy. Each of these sparks were a replica of God and the seed of the divine I am presence which resides within us all. So our I am presence is a direct result of these sparks slash seeds that came out of God, the supreme being. Christ consciousness is according to the church universal and triumphant, the connecting force, the bridge between humans and divinity, so to speak. Christ, as fully man and fully God, represents the potential for each person to actualize their I am presence and reconnect with God and all his divinity. Um, through walking the path of self-mastery set out by Elizabeth Clare Prophet and the church, that is how we, according to them, come into contact with the Christ Consciousness, with the I Am Presence, as it's called. In spite of proclaiming themselves to be a Christian organization, somewhat controversially I might add, the Church Universal and Triumphant ascribes to a more quote-unquote Eastern view of life and death. So they believe in reincarnation, they believe in karma, 
And so a lot of what the I am activity is trying to do is to ascend past karma and reincarnation. And this is done through rectifying that karma through purifying exercises, such as decreeing and calling upon the violet flame. Now the violet flame, what is the violet flame? I realized I didn't talk about this in the I am activity uh, podcast last time, but the violet flame is a big thing in both the I am activity and the church triumphant. You'll hear a lot about it. So what is the violet flame? And I guess the easiest way to explain the violet flame is that it's a spiritual fire from the Holy Spirit that rids the practitioner of all their negative karma. It was a technique gifted to Guy Ballard by St. Germain. And Elizabeth Clare Prophet became a big fan of the violet flame technique as well. A person can use decrees and visualizations to call on the violet flame to burn off negative karma and speed up their ascension. An example of a decree to call upon the violet flame listed on the Summit Lighthouse website is, I am a being of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. It's quite catchy, so uh, give it a try if you want. Uh, Final things to note on their beliefs. The church believes itself to be the one true church of both Jesus and Buddha. Incredible. They believe some cool Gnostic shit, like stuff about Jesus going to India to receive secret teachings, and they morally oppose things like abortion, premarital sex, drugs, alcohol, etc. And they love this country. They're deeply patriotic, just like the I Am activity was. But hey, it was the 80s, folks. It was easier to love your country with that economy, I'll tell you what. Okay, so that about sums up the beliefs of the Church Universal and Triumphant. So, let's take a break, and I'm going to play some music. And on top of that music, I'm going to play some clips of Elizabeth Clare Prophet speaking, possibly decreeing. And then when we get back, I will talk to you all about the end of the world.
That was Elizabeth Prophet, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed that. Well, let's set the scene here. It's the 1970s, the Cold War, the Vietnam War, and all these political struggles and conflicts of the time had more than a few people contemplating doomsday, not least of which was Elizabeth Prophet, who was often as paranoid as she was prophetic. Sometime in the late 70s, she began to actively warn her followers of a looming nuclear war with Russia. In response, her most devoted and wealthy followers began to spend large sums of money on weapons as preparation. For a while, the Church Universal and Triumphant had its headquarters in California, but you gotta remember that this was the 70s, folks, so there's a lot of anti-cult suspicion. Uh, you know, the whole Manson family thing might have had a bit to do with it. With those suspicions of brainwashing and mass suicide running high, uh, the church began to run into trouble with some of their more, shall we say, normal California neighbors. So they sold Camelot, which is what they called their Californian property, and began an exodus to the big sky state, Montana. By the way, I love Montana. It's a beautiful, beautiful state to drive through, and people there are very friendly. Um, any gas station I go into there, I seem to have a lovely conversation with the clerks, and I, I just really enjoy Montana. If you're ever driving the 90, uh, east or west, make sure to stop at a place called 50,000 Silver Dollar. You can't miss it. It's a massive gift shop filled with knives, bongs, Native American headdresses, paintings of Jesus, and much more. Truly an American original. 50,000 silver dollar. Tell them Isaac sent ya. But yeah, in 1981, the church begins to buy a whole bunch of property out in the Montana wilderness, and members began to trickle out there. Around that time, uh, Prophet publishes one book of many published by the church, and this one's titled Prophecy for the 1980s. It's a book detailing many ominous prophecies of America's fall. By the mid-80s, the move to Montana is complete, and the doomsday messages of the Ascended Masters begin to roll into Elizabeth's cosmic psyche more and more frequently. So naturally, she just leans all the way into her prepper slash survivalist mentality at this point. The church builds massive underground bunkers capable of holding up to 750 people. They purchase more weapons and store thousands of gallons of gasoline underground in preparation. As the 1990s rolled around, she finally gave a specific date. Midnight, March 15th was the date that Russia would drop missiles on the states. Followers took money out of their savings, purchased the last of their supplies, and finally went underground on the 15th. And well, I'm sure you know what happened. Absolutely fucking nothing. The night passed like any other night in this peaceful, war-free country called the United States. Nuke-free. Most members left the group at that point those still devoted to the church believed that it was only through the power of their prayers and decrees that Russia's attack was averted. After a great deal of media publicity, the remaining Church Universal and Triumphant members really did their best to try and slip back quietly 
into a normalish life of devotion to the ascended masters, hopefully outside of the public eye and mostly apocalypse-free at this point. But Elizabeth would soon face her own apocalypse. In 1998, Elizabeth Clare Prophet was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and the mind that once held the masters of the material and immaterial realms began to disintegrate. She died in 2009. Now, I mentioned that Elizabeth Clare Prophet had children with Mark Prophet. From what I can tell, uh, all those children have left the church. One of those children is Aaron Prophet, who's been a major resource for me throughout my research for this episode. They wrote an autobiography and a memoir of their time in the Church Universal and Triumphant called Prophet's Daughter. Uh, she's now a professor in Florida and writes about religions, cults, and spiritual experiences. I feel that Erin has a similar perspective and goal to mine with this show, believing in both the transformative and visionary and community-building appeal of religion, while also being understandably critical of the power structures religion and spirituality often contain. So in a world that often wants to either claim that a religion is the one singular gospel truth or just a load of made-up bullshit, it's really wonderful to find people who are willing to step outside that binary. Um, I want to share Aaron's perspective on the apocalypse and their mother's doomsday prophecy, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts of my own. This quote is taken from Aaron's blog, I'll link that in the podcast description, and I believe this blog post was written at the onset of COVID, when the end of the world was undoubtedly on everyone's mind. In this post, Aaron writes, There are three major strains of apocalypticism in the United States. Christian, New Age, and environmentalist. My mother's apocalypticism drew from both Christian and New Age themes. Many of her followers had also studied Edgar Cayce, the medical intuitive known as the Sleeping Prophet, who predicted that parts of Montana would one day feed the nation after floods and earthquakes split apart the continent. Casey's medical advice has proved more durable than his future visions. He was operating out of the New Age millennial scene, which drew not only on the Bible, but the Hindu concept of a Kali Yuga, a recurring period of destruction and collapse that is believed to herald a new beginning. I can't bring myself to buy into any of the apocalyptic scenarios about COVID-19, the Christians who see the pandemic as a sign of the end times, New Age people who imagine that it is inaugurating a global shift in consciousness, or even environmentalists who imagine it is the beginning of a chain reaction to our collective folly, which will eventually return us to a pre-agricultural hunter-gatherer society. All of these are idealistic scripts. Even if millions die, 
those left alive will have to figure out how to live. Yes, it's possible to see COVID-19 as nature's revenge for overconsumption and disrespecting our fellow creatures, but rather than personifying nature, perhaps we should just see it all as a wake-up call. For one thing, it has shown us that we can indeed stop burning fossil fuels. I hope that the lessons that we take are that we need one another. We need to figure out better ways to live on Earth, care for our children, sick and elderly, to live more fulfilling yet sustainable lives. Each of the idealistic scripts above could lead to fatalism and save yourself first mentality, when what we really need is a transformation of the apocalyptic script. Many people assume wrongly that when prophecy fails, religious people either become disillusioned and abandon their belief systems altogether, or reduce their cognitive dissonance by continuing to promote their system in spite of the evidence. Well, we do see examples of both. A far more common response, as the noted religious scholar Gordon Melton has demonstrated, is for people to transform their expectations into something more positive and this-worldly. Global disasters have a way of pushing a reset button on religious belief. I am hoping that all the kids who grew up reading left-behind novels and anticipating the rapture will eventually realize that any future transformation of the world, whether in preparation for the Lord's return or simply a response to unimagined events, will be accomplished by us, real people working together regardless of religious belief or doctrines. A transformation of the apocalyptic script. I think that what Aaron is saying here is the answer in many ways to what has been occurring in these past few years. Everyone's been so focused on the end times and everyone has been so, so focused on what slice of the pie they can save for themselves that we've forgotten the radical potential of the apocalyptic moment. Think about the good that could have been done with all the money Elizabeth Prophet's church spent on doomsday bunkers. What if that money went to helping those who were immediately struggling in their community? What if Christians actually embraced Christ's message of loving their neighbor, and instead of stockpiling guns and ammo to kill their neighbor when shit hits the fan, they actually offered their time, resources, and love to the people around them? When you really reflect on it, it is undoubtedly our rugged Western individualism the way we've separated out nature, man, and God, and also simply our own selfishness that has brought us to our current conditions. Without strong communities and networks of mutual support and care, we will all simply either perish immediately or rot away in bunkers. Or maybe fight to death over what salvageable land remains in a world where we've turned everything into an apocalyptic wasteland. To truly live in the light of apocalypse then is not to retreat into isolation, but to reconnect with the world and the people around you. It is only through switching to that mentality that 
I honestly believe the world has any chance of being saved. And even if it can't be saved, even if humanity is in our twilight hour, I would hope that we will practice compassion and care for each other regardless, if only to spite the greedy bastards who got us all into this mess. Anywho, I'm Isaac Hill. This is Mystical America. Om Namah Shivaya Jema. Amen, amen, amen. Good night. I call forth the light of the living word, beloved angel, beloved archangel, beloved mighty charm, the rays of the Lord's Apollo. I call for the action of the beloved Thomas Athena, beloved goddess of liberty, beloved Lord of the other quadrants, beloved Proton, beloved great divine director, beloved all seeing, I am God's strength of the earth. Let God's will be done, let God's will be done, let God's will be done. I do an action of the sacred fire in the sour descend He send down mighty cloud most stupid enemies. I am the holding of the balance of Lord Gautama Buddha. Be not the Salah Kumara and the seven little Kumara. I call upon the sacred fire. I call upon the light of God that we never fails. Beloved mighty I am presence. Come forth in this hour of the king. Come forth in this hour of the victory of the God flame.